Well, hey there, guys. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Web Slingers podcast. This is uh, the one and only show where we talk about all things Spider-Man and the Marvel Universe. And this is the final show of 2020, uh, 2020. Um, who says 2000 anymore? Uh, 2020. And uh, I am super, super excited because today we're going to be going down the rankings of the MCU movies, and we got a ton of questions for our Ask the Spider-Verse segment. Um, But before we get into any of that, I want to remind you guys uh, that this coming Friday, uh, end of the, this coming, uh, in five days, in five days from the time this episode goes up, the premiere of end of the line happens on youtube on the zeke Sensual youtube channel a link to the youtube channel is going to be down below it's going to premiere six o'clock pacific standard time 9 p.m eastern uh, standard time and go check it out guys uh it's a great skit and i think you guys will like it a lot uh if you like avengers endgame then you'll probably enjoy uh this little this little skit we got um there's also a brand new episode of Spoiler. If you've seen the finale of Season 2 of The Mandalorian, definitely go check that out. It's a good time. And um, we got a brand, and we got the final episode of the Zeke Setzel Show on the podcast feed. The final episode of the Zeke Setzel Show for 2020 is up on the podcast feed right now. The Zeke Setzel Show will return at the beginning of the year, which will be on January 2nd. Um, the first episode of the Zeke Setzel Show is going to premiere. On January 2nd. And I cannot wait. uh, For you guys to check that out. Uh, Now. Let's go ahead. And let's. um, Let's. Let's let's get into what we want to talk about. Um, Before we get to your Q&A questions. In the Marvel News segment. We don't got any news topics. But we're going to rank. The all 23. Of the current MCU films. This is going to be. This is going to be an annual tradition for the Web Swingers podcast. At the end of the year for the Web Swingers podcast, on the last show of every year, I am going to traditionally do a rankings um, where I'm going to rank all of the MCU movies. Um, now, unfortunately, this year we did not get any MCU movies per se, but um, I decided to start this year just by ranking the current list of Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Um, so uh, the cur- the list you're about to hear is the current rankings for all 23 Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Now, I should warn you right up front, if you guys don't agree with this list, that's fine. If there's a movie that you think should be higher on the list, that's fine. That's all opinions. And definitely, I want... I want you guys to uh, just have fun. This is just my opinion. All these movies that you're about to hear on this rankings is just my opinion. You don't have to agree with me. I don't want you to agree with me. You want to form your own opinion? Fine, form your own opinion. But these are just my rankings of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I've grown up with it. Uh, I was about, I want to say, I was like... Wow, I mean, it must have been like eight and a half years old when the first Iron Man movie came out, and uh, I saw the first Iron Man in the theater. Um, 
and then just every single one from there I've I've seen uh, either in the theater or at home on DVD um, and you know I own a lot of them on DVD and Blu-ray um, and you know I my experience with the MCU is just that I've I've grown up with the Infinity Saga um, as the Infinity Saga was progressing from the time I was eight all the way to the time I was 19 <laughs> All the way to the time I was 19, I got to see an entire saga of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, and that was really exciting. And these films me do mean a lot. This this series of movies means a lot to me as uh, a fan of the comic book movie genre. These were very uh, some of these at least some of them were very at least ten of them were very influential in um, building my love of superheroes, but also my love of comic book movies and movies in general. Um, some movies, I think, are some of the greatest of all time. And, um, yeah, we're so now with all of that out of the way, we're going to get right into my rankings of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. sloppy written movie that seems completely pointless as far as moving the MCU along. The humor is bleak, the action is boring, and the acting is awkward, and the direction is all over the place. The behind-the-scenes drama with this movie probably had something to do with that. Coming in at number two, we have one of the most disappointing Marvel films ever made, Iron Man 3. The best way to describe Iron Man 3 is wasted potential. The movie sends Tony Stark on a journey as he deals with his PTSD based on the existence of aliens, but doesn't follow through with it. Tony, in this movie, never faces the one thing he has been fearing since the first Avengers movie. Instead, what it did was repeat the same formula from the previous two movies, making the villain the same businessman who has the same motivation because he just is mad at Tony and wants to kill Tony. At number 21, we have Spider-Man Far From Home. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. And you guys know that. If you've seen any of my Throwback Thursday reviews, you know I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. I've reviewed Spider-Man Far From Home. And my feelings on the film haven't changed. I still think the film is more focused on telling jokes than it is on telling a story about Peter Parker learning to move on without Tony Stark. This just proves when you focus on telling jokes over a compelling story, you get Spider-Man Far From Home. Also, do not even get me started on Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. Great performance, but the character is very weak. 
At number 20, we have Captain Marvel. Although Captain Marvel may have fun action scenes, it suffers from a weak story and a weak lead actor. It also tends to to retcon a lot of elements from previous MCU movies, which means this movie was made by two people who don't know the MCU. I mean, come on. When you saw Captain America the Winter Soldier and when Nick Fury pulled that eye patch and said you have to keep both eyes open, did you ever think there would be a scene where you found out how Nick lost his eye? You probably dreamt of that moment. Your entire time watching the MCU and the entire investment you got you had put into it, you 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 dreamed that you would one day see that. But then he gets his eye scratched out by a cat. That's how epic that moment is supposed to be. Oh, let's just move on. And at number 19, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp. Much like Spider-Man Far From Home, Ant-Man and the Wasp has many good moments. The Wasp is cool. The villain is actually quite interesting. But those good moments are filled with plot holes, bad jokes, and all around a messy script. Unfortunately... Our lead hero, Scott Lang, is treated like an idiot most of the movie, and there's not nearly enough time dedicated to him working on being a father. There's not enough time dedicated to it. Instead, what we get is him bumbling around like some sitcom character. But I will say, the first end credit scene is great. Coming in at number 18, we have Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2 is basically what Batman vs. Superman was for the DCEU. Marvel was so worried about setting up the Avengers that they crammed in characters like Nick Fury and Black Widow, resulting in a crowded and overall bland movie. This movie proved that to build a successful cinematic universe, you need to take your time and not rush your filmmakers. You hear that, DC? Okay, you won't do that again. Good. And at number 17, we have Thor. So now we're getting into the good Marvel movies. Thor is a fun, exciting, and heartfelt story that does exactly what it was meant to do. Introduce introduce us to this world, these characters, and blend that with awesome superhero action. The only issue I have with this movie is that awful relationship between Thor and Jane. Seriously, who cared about that gem of a storyline? Like I said earlier, we got a lot of MCU movies to cover, and at number 16, we have Captain America, the first Avenger. Now, we get to one of the most underrated movies in the MCU. Captain America, the first Avenger. The first Avenger is a nice World War II adventure that feels right with the character of Captain America. With great performances and a fantastic villain, the first Avenger delivers a fun, action-packed, emotional story that will make you smile from beginning to end. And speaking of smiling from beginning to end, at number 15 we have Ant-Man. Ant-Man is great. With all the baggage it had with Edgar Wright leaving and getting a totally new director, And going in a different direction, Ant-Man should have been the MCU's biggest failure. 
but it wasn't. Ant-Man is a fun, engaging, and funny emotional story. At number 14, we have Doctor Strange. Uh, Doctor Strange is one of the most visually engaging movies that the MCU has ever made. Combine that with a great story and a fantastic performance by Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange delivers on the promise of expanding this great universe. And I think one of the great things about Doctor Strange is that it has slight elements of a horror film. And I think that might come from the fact that you've got a, a director who has so much experience within the realm of horror films. Now, this is another movie I reviewed on Throwback Thursday, so if you want my in-depth thoughts on this pick, definitely go check out the episode. But at number 13, we got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is not as good as, as its predecessor, but it is still a fantastic film. James Gunn's story furthers the arcs of the characters while also making the film funnier and bringing an even better soundtrack than the first film, in my opinion. My goodness, so many movies in only 11 years. This cannot get any longer, right? Well, it's about to. At number 12, we have Captain America Civil War. Being the third entry in the Captain America franchise, Civil War is arguably the most important film in the MCU. This film does a good job of taking the characters we love and introducing each of their own personal demons. Cap has his demons. Tony has his demons. Uh, Wanda Maximoff has her demons. Uh, Vision has his vision, has his demons. Um, Falcon, Winter Soldier, they all have these personal inner demons that all come out in this movie. It also is perfect at showing how far characters like Cap and Tony have come since their introductions. You have Cap who started out as, you know, being supporting the government. And then you have Tony who started out saying, nah, screw you guys. To now they've completely switched places. They've gone on completely separate journeys that have brought them to their basically almost a replica uh, a representation of their past selves almost with thrilling action good character development and great humor civil war gives you everything you want in the marvel cinematic universe all right we're getting closer to the end here at number 11 we have the incredible hulk the incredible hulk is in my opinion the most underrated mcu film yes i said it the most underrated MCU film. And I'll tell you why. It's a movie that Marvel kind of pushes off to the side. Almost they want to pretend it never happened. But it also is not as beloved as most movies in the MCU. Incredible Hulk introduces a Bruce Banner who is most accurate to the who's the most accurate portrayal we've had yet. And this version of the Hulk, I think, is the most destructive than any than any other version. It almost kind of reminded me of the Hulk that we would eventually get in, like, World War Hulk. This destructive kind of just rageful monster. And I don't think we've gotten that version since. I mean, don't get me wrong. The one that we eventually got in the Avengers is cool. 
Um, and I like where the Hulk has gone. But I don't think we've gotten the true destructive and monstrous nature than we got in the Incredible Hulk film. It also, to me, has one of the most interesting uh, villains in the MCU. Uh, and it's like they they also kind of just wanted to push Abomination off to the side. Almost like he... He he's not a he's not a cool MCU villain. He's one of our weaker ones. Well, I guess Marvel is starting to realize that now, as they are now going to bring in Abomination back in the She-Hulk series. All right, now we're getting into the top ten, and this and this honestly, the top ten MCU movies for me is always hard to put together because every year it changes. Some movies are in, some movies are out. And it just is really hard to come up with. But as of 2020, this is my top 10 MCU movies. And coming in at number 10, we have Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame had a lot to live up to. After the ending of its predecessor, Avengers Endgame had the job to not only stand on its own as a movie, but also bring a finality to the Infinity Saga. Does it do that? Yes. Does it have a crap ton of plot holes? Absolutely. When you look at it, yes, there are plot holes and convenient circumstances that crowd the movie. Like, how the hell does a rat be the one that ultimately saves the universe? And number two, why do they constantly contradict their own time travel rules? But when you take all those aside... You gotta remember, all these plot holes and convenient circumstances are there to satisfy you and give you the perfect finale. Unlike a movie like Rise of Skywalker, which had a lot of conveniences and gave you a very disappointing finale, Endgame gave you a bunch of plot holes and conveniences while also delivering an epic finale. But it does such a good job of sticking the landing that those plot holes and conveniences almost seem nitpicky. Endgame brings the Infinity Saga to a close, but also opens up the possibility for even more storytelling. And coming in at number 9, we have Thor Ragnarok. Talk about a franchise saver. Taika Waititi brought his unique sense of humor and tone and revitalized the character for a lot of people. With the perfect balance of comedy and drama, Thor Ragnarok delivers a great entertaining ride that all MCU fans deserve. And let's be honest, it's kind of the Thor movie we've always wanted. Just We just never knew we wanted until it came out. Okay, hopefully this one doesn't end up being too controversial. But at number 8, we have Avengers Age of Ultron. Okay, now I know what you're thinking. Why Age of Ultron at number 8? Well, I think Age of Ultron is up there with The Incredible Hulk as one of the most underrated MCU movies. Ultron is a fantastic villain. The action, I think, is great. The dialogue is witty and smart, and it doesn't get enough credit for how much darker it truly is. From the first Avengers film, sure, it's not as amazing as its predecessor. 
but it still is a great story that you can tell Joss Whedon's putting all of his energy and basically all he had into it. Sure, you can nitpick, you know, the accents of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and yes, there are certain things that are there just to set up future movies, but honestly, it still delivers on being a very great continuation of this great cinematic universe. Okay, now we're getting into the good here. At number seven, we have Black Panther. Black Panther is one of the most culturally relevant comic book movies of all time. Starring a mostly African-American cast, Black Panther delivers on being a great MCU movie and one of the greatest achievements in the comic book movie genre. With great action, humor, an amazing villain, and a powerful message, it's no wonder why this was the first comic book movie to be nominated for Best Picture. I mean, come on. Did you ever think that Killmonger with the most evil intentions gives some of the most powerful moments in this entire movie? Did you ever think that he would almost outshine the hero? No, I didn't think so, but they somehow did it. Ryan Coogler was able to deliver on that level. And, of course, it is a movie that will live on as one of the greatest legacies of the late great Chadwick Boseman. At number six, we have the one that started it all, Iron Man. A lot was riding on this movie to be a hit. Iron Man was the MCU's first attempt at breaking into the movie industry, and it succeeded. Iron Man has it all. Comedy, action, good characters, a great performance by, by the one and only Robert Downey Jr., and Jon Favreau, I believe, directed the shit out of this movie. And it also is the film that put RDJ on the map. At number five, we have Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming was, and still is, one of the best films in the Spider-Man franchise. Tom Holland gives a great performance as Peter Parker, as well as Michael Keaton as the Vulture. Spider-Man Homecoming understands what makes the character in the comics so great, and that is, he's a real kid with real problems. But he also just happens to be wearing a mask and fighting crime. Not since Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 have we gotten a movie that focuses on the problems of Peter Parker and what he has to overcome. And it very rarely ever focuses on his struggles of being Spider-Man. I would say this movie spends more time with Peter Parker than it does with Spider-Man. And I think that's a good thing because, you know, the sequel couldn't do that. And it's a bit too bad that the sequel couldn't follow it up in that great way. All right, and we're getting closer and closer to the end of this list. At number four, we have Guardians of the Galaxy. We all became hooked on a feeling with this one. Guardians of the Galaxy is by far the biggest gamble a studio has ever took on a movie. Not only did half the audience have no idea who they were, but you also had a director who didn't do a lot of big tentpole stuff. But Marvel Studios trusted James Gunn and they let him introduce these characters who continue to make us laugh to this very day. And anybody who has seen this movie will know what I'm talking about when I mention 
the 12% scene. That's all I have to say, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. 12%? (laughs) That's That's a fake laugh. It's real. And come on. We all knew this had to make the list at some point. You you guys, it, it would have been a crime if this movie didn't make the rankings list. And at number three, we have Marvel's The Avengers. I still think Marvel's The Avengers is one of the greatest achievements in comic book movie history. Avengers delivered on everything it promised and more. Everyone in this movie gets their moment to shine. Iron Man, Cap, Thor, Black Widow, Hulk. Hawkeye even, even though Hawkeye spends most of the movie as a villain, he gets his moment to shine. Joss Whedon found the perfect balance of action, humor, drama, and character development, and came on, and and come on, that moment, that moment, where the Avengers are standing together in the Battle of New York, and the, the music kicks in, the bum, 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 that that's a comic book fan's dream come true come on speaking on delivering everything it promised avengers infinity war is number two on this list avengers infinity war brought us what i still contend is the empire strikes back for this generation Because it is not afraid to let the bad guy win. Thanos is a compelling, rich, deep character that gets just as much screen time as the heroes in this movie. Like, there's so much time dedicated to him. You could almost say this is a Thanos origin story, almost. This is a trial for him. We're getting to see his journey. This is his journey. He is the hero of this story. And... Yes, you of course want the Avengers to win, but unfortunately, not not every movie has to end with the Avengers standing together saying, yes, we've won. you got to give us that moment where the Avengers are down on their knees and they're like, no, we failed. We failed and we usually don't do this. It, the movie ends delivering on the promise that giving you a great movie theater experience and come on that ending is what made the movie such a great movie theater experience seeing everyone's reaction when all the your favorite characters are being dusted away that is what the movie promised the film has this ending that will just leave you in shock and in tears all right, this 20-minute journey of counting down all the films in the MCU, going through this history of films that were great, films that were bad, and films that were just abominations against humanity, Thor the Dark World, <laughs> we, are got, we have finally gotten to the number one best film in the MCU, and I think you guys know where I'm going with this. The number one best film in the MCU, it's Captain America the Winter Soldier. It's amazing what the directors of Community can do. The Russo brothers end up bringing Cap into the modern world in a very big way, making this 1970s gritty political thriller. In fact, when you listen to the commentary, they explained in the commentary that they 
this movie is very much inspired by uh, Three Days of the Condor. And you can very much see kind of the similarities between that film and Captain America the Winter Soldier. This is a gritty 70s political thriller that will have you on the edge of your seat from beginning to end. It's the most intense, most engaging, and most impactful film that the MCU has ever made. And I think it also delivered on really taking the character from being that, you know, rah-rah America and actually challenged his morals. He goes from being that, you know, rah-rah following orders, you know, chain of command, all that. And then he experiences something and goes, oh, maybe this system is not what I thought it was. And I like it when you can put characters in that situation. That's one of the reasons why The Dark Knight works so well for me is that you're putting Batman in a very different position than he was in Batman Begins. And that's what I think most sequels to comic book movies should do. You should put your hero in a different position than they were in the first time around. Give them more to struggle on. And that's what this movie does. And that is why it is the number one MCU movie. So that is my rankings of the MCU movies. Let me know. What are some of your favorite MCU movies? Uh, do you disagree with me? Is Thor The Dark World your favorite MCU movie? Do you think it's bad? Do you think it's great? Let me know. Communicate with me. Let's, let's keep this conversation going. Let's rank all of the MCU movies. Now, with all that said, let's get back to the Web Swingers podcast. All right, and we have officially ranked all 23 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. I hope you guys enjoyed that rankings. Um, I, just to let you know, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of behind the scenes. Um, I pre-record a lot of these shows. Uh, some of them I'll pre-record them four days in advance. I pre-recorded the rankings before I actually pre-recorded this. Uh, these segments. Uh, in fact... Actually, as I'm recording this, I re I'm recording um, the Ask the Spider-Verse section of the show on a, on a Sunday. Um, so it's, it's you know, it is what it is. Um, but it's funny. I, I, I just, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, it, it amazes me that there are that many MCU films. And... You know, a lot of people like to say the Marvel hasn't made a bad movie, but my list pretty much proves that that's not true for for some people. Again, maybe for all of you guys, maybe you guys, as far as I know, maybe some of you loved Thor: The Dark World. I will never understand why, and I'll never understand what it what what I don't see in Thor: The Dark World. Personally, for me, I find it to be a heaping pile of crap. Um, and I find it to be the absolute worst of the MCU. So that is what it is. Uh, but with all that said, guys, let's move on to the Ask the Spider-Verse segment. This is where we take all your guys' Q&A questions. And we are going to talk about every single one of them. Um, and the first one we're going to start with is this. Um, we're going to start off with, uh, with the first question here. And the first question is, uh, thoughts on Charlie Cox reportedly coming back as... Oh, I should let you guys know. Some of these questions came in last week for last week's um, show. Um, and the reason why I didn't take any Q&A questions last week is because we were 
we were talking about all of the uh, the Marvel announcements, and I just didn't had no time to answer questions. So some of these you're gonna hear, and some of them you'll probably be like, wait, wait, wasn't that supposed to be? Uh, wasn't that supposed to be last week? Uh, you'll probably think, what? Why? Why are you answering these questions? It's a little late for that. Um, it's because these came in last week. Um, so thoughts on Charlie Cox reportedly coming back as Daredevil? Um, I don't buy it. Now, if it happens, I won't be shocked because, look, they're bringing back Tobin Maguire and they're bringing back Andrew Garfield. They're bringing back Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. However, I don't think that's going to happen. I think fans want it to happen. I am one of those fans who does, doesn't think it's going to happen. I think Marvel doesn't want to touch that universe at all. I think they want to leave it alone and just let it be its own thing. Um, even though I am watching Daredevil, I'm actually on the final episode of the first season of Daredevil. And in that first season, there's actually quite... I mean, there's not like a bunch of them. It's not like the first season of Agents of Shield where, Shield, where they're constantly throwing references to the MCU at you. But... There's quite a bit. Like, there's even a line where, um, um, where Foggy mentions Captain America. Like, he mentions the name Captain America at one point. Now, look, that's maybe just a harmless little reference. I don't know. But there's quite a bit of references to the MCU in that first season. Now, the later seasons kind of abandoned that concept. But, um, yeah, no, it's, you know, um, and they do reference the Battle of New York in, like, one sentence, like, they refer to it as, like, the incident, I think, but, um, but, yeah, no, I don't think we're gonna see that, plus, I think Netflix owns the rights to that version of Daredevil. If Marvel wanted to bring Charlie Cox back, they would have to go to Netflix and pay and buy the rights to that version of Nef of Daredevil. It's why we're not going to get Charlie Cox back. It's probably why we're not going to get John Bernthal back. It's why we're probably not going to see any of the cast from the Netflix shows coming back. Because of that reason alone. So, it is what it is. I think fans just are going to have to... Accept it. I'm personally willing to accept it. I don't want to accept it. I love the sh I love the Netflix. I love some of the Netflix shows, but honestly, I I think we as fans just have to accept it. We just gotta let go. Gotta let go. Um. All right. Um. Although I am gonna miss Vincent D'Onofrio as uh, the Kingpin. Um. I can't believe we're getting a Fantastic Four movie. How long do you think? It will be until we hear an X-Men movie announced. Well, I think we're far away from an X-Men movie. Um, I just looked at the lineup for Phase 4. And apparently, you know, Blade and Fantastic Four are part of the Phase 4 lineup. Which doesn't surprise me. I think they planned... I honestly think Kevin Feige has arranged... Has planned for the Fantastic Four to be part of Phase 4. I think since Comic-Con of last year. I think Comic-Con of last year. Because he mentioned, at Comic-Con of last year, he mentioned the Fantastic Four. So obviously they were working something out 
in between that time and then the Disney's Investor's Day. So I think they were working something out with Fantastic Four. As far as X-Men goes, I don't think we're going to see an X-Men announcement. Probably till the next... I think the latest we'll get it is 2022. The latest we'll hear anything about it is 2022. Um, and I don't think we're going to get one anytime soon. Um, I think right now Marvel's big focus is to get Phase 4 started. <laughs> and they're going to get Phase 4 started with um, the, the Disney Plus shows. But they want to get the movies going. You know, they want to see if they can get Black Widow out in theaters. You know, so um, I we'll just have to wait f until uh, Marvel's ready. You know, so um, the next question is Spider Spider Man Into the Spider Verse came out two years ago. What was your instant reaction coming out of the movie? Uh, well, thanks for the question. Um, yeah, I did a review of this on Throwback Thursday, but I I just I can't believe it's been two years. Since Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. You know. Needless to say. Needless to say. I Nevertheless. Calling it quits now. Baby I'm a wreck. Crash at my place. Baby you're a wreck. Ooh. ooh, 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 ooh. Some things you just can't refuse. Do you wanna. No, okay. Okay. I should. I'm getting distracted here. Um. What, what was the question again? <laughs> what was my instant reaction coming out of the movie? Okay. My instant reaction... I remember... Okay, so this was during a time... This was uh, 2018. 2008, we got to go back to the year of 2018. Um, I had just finished my last day of my first semester of college. And I... Honestly, found out that I had failed a bunch of my classes, which is not a good look. If you're in college, that, that's not a good look. And so I was actually kind of bummed out about it. I was like, I was just kind of a little bit bummed out by it. And then I went back, you know, because I was hanging out with um, Robert that day. Um, and I went over to his to his place and I was like, I was like, I'm going to go see Spider-Verse. And he's like, and he immediately bought his ticket. So we went to go see Spider-Verse. And again, I was bummed out. I was kind of just in not, not the best mood that day. And as soon as that movie started, I felt like, I felt like I was hanging out with friends, you know, because the characters were so, felt so real to me. That I felt like I was hanging out with friends. And my instant reaction was, this is the best movie of the year. I still think it should have been nominated and it should have won Best Picture of the Academy. It won Best Animated Film, so I can't get too mad about it. But honestly, there was a part of me that was just like, damn, it should have been nominated for, it should have been nominated for Best Picture. Should have been nominated for, for Best Picture. Um, but, you know, it, that's just, it just goes to, you know. But 
yeah, that was my favorite movie of the year. And I saw Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse. I saw it. Oh, man, I got it. Let me see. Hmm. I saw it the once on the opening weekend. I saw it two more times after its opening weekend. So I saw it the second time on that Monday. And then literally another time the next day. I'm, I must have seen it like 14 times. It, it's, it holds the record for the most. I even watched it going into 2019. Like it was still in theaters in like mid-January. I watched it on its final day when it was in theaters. I was obsessed with that movie. And then it hit Blu-ray and I watched it even more once it came out on Blu-ray. So, you know, I just, I love that movie. I, I love it. And I still, I loved it back then and I love it even more now. So, yeah. Um, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Um, are you shocked that Black Widow is still waiting for theaters? And do you think at some point they will cave and release it on Disney Plus? Now, do I... Th okay, do I think at some point they'll cave? I think Disney's going to wait and see what happens with Raya and the Last Dragon. Because Raya and the Last Dragon is being released on in theaters and on Disney Plus through Premiere Access. So, depending on if people actually get Raya and the Last Dragon on Disney+, Plus, that will probably motivate Marvel to want to do that same thing. Now, look, if they put Raya and the Last Dragon on for 30 bucks, like they did with Mulan, I'm not buying it. Um, plus, I, I'm, you know, I have a drive... I have a drive-in movie theater near my house, so it should so they should play it at the drive-in. But you know, but I'm not gonna buy it on Disney Plus for thirty bucks. Black Widow, though, I've always said, if Black Widow was going on Premiere Access through Disney Plus, I would have paid thirty. I would pay thirty bucks for it. I would do it because I that's something that I'm interested in. I wasn't gonna pay thirty bucks for Mulan because I wasn't that interested in Mulan to pay thirty bucks for it. And I'm and if Ryan the Last Dragon ends up on on Premiere Access for thirty bucks, I'm not gonna pay thirty bucks because I'm just not that interested in Ryan. I mean, I want to see Ryan and the Last Dragon, but I'm not that interested that I'm gonna pay thirty bucks for it. Now I know there are some people who are who are like, oh, the people who are just upset about it are those who don't have to pay for families, and that's true. That's a good solid point. You know, but even if you have a family of like, let's say, let's say you have a family of five, okay, wouldn't you want to pay, wouldn't having a lower price want to motivate you to actually pay the $10 and have a family night? You know, you're going to want to make an evening out of it because it's like, oh, look, this is on Disney Plus for $10. Click, I'll buy it, you know, and let's sit down as a family and watch it. 
And plus, it depends on what your kids are interested in. You know, I'm not, I'm no, I am no parent. So I have no idea what kids are interested in nowadays. But I, I don't know. I just have a hard time believing that even I, because I even know some parents who saw that Disney Plus price for Mulan and said, hell no, I'm not paying 30 bucks for that. But I will. But what does this have to do with Black Widow? I'm, I'm, you know, it's because if Black Widow ended up on Disney Plus for thirty bucks, I myself would pay it because I am interested in Black Widow. I do want to see it. I've been wanting to see it ever since, ever since theaters were open. In fact, I was gonna purchase my ticket opening night in IMAX to see Black Widow, but then movie theaters shut down. I was like, well, that sucks. So if Black Widow ends up on Disney Plus, I'll, you're damn right. I will pay thirty bucks to watch it. I will do it. But we don't know if it's gonna do it. As of right now, Kevin Feige said that Black Widow is still gonna be in theaters. So we don't know for sure yet. And as far as am I shocked that Black Widow is still waiting for theaters? I am not that surprised. Because you gotta see where Marvel's coming at. Marvel just released the biggest movie of all time in a theater. They made most of their money in the movie theater. They made, last year alone, they made well, they made a two two billion dollar film with Endgame. They made a one billion dollar film with Spider Man Far From Home, and another one billion dollar film with Captain Marvel. So you're damn right they're going to wait for theaters. You're damn right they're going to wait for theaters. Now, I said the same thing about Wonder Woman. I said the same I said the same thing about Wonder Woman. I said the same thing about Ryan and the Last Dragon. Um what other movies went on VOD that I say that with? <laughs> you know, I said the same thing about Godzilla vs Kong and Warner Brothers just decided to throw that on the HBO Max. You know, so, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, okay, let me bring this down. Okay, do you think we could see a live-action Miles Morales in Spider-Man 3? What a great question. Um, yes, I do believe we're going to see Miles Morales in Spider-Man 3. However, I don't think we're going to see Shameik more play him. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Shameik Moore is, Shameik Moore voices Miles Morales in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. But I personally don't think they're going to bring him in. And I'll tell you why. Because I don't think... Uh, I think Marvel... I think Kevin Feige is going to have a say in who gets cast as Miles Morales. And he might not want Shameik Morris Moss. I mean, I don't know. I don't know Kevin, what Kevin Feige's thinking. I know Kevin Feige has come out in an interview and said that most of the multiverse stuff that, that has been announced for Spider-Man 4, like Electro coming back, Alfred Molina coming back, was all brought up by Sony. That Sony came up with the idea to bring those actors back. Um... So they're probably thinking about... I think Sony has been planning this for a while. 
because I think they're trying to bring Tom Holland's Spider-Man out of the MCU and put him into their Sony-verse. Which, hey, you know what? I don't mind. Look, do I love Spider-Man in the MCU? I do love Spider-Man in the MCU. I love seeing him crossing over with characters like um, Iron Man, Cap, Captain America, Doctor Strange, and all that. However, I... I'm kind of sick of the MCU Spider-Man movies. I'm kind of sick of them at this point. Now, I am super excited for Spider-Man 3. Don't get me wrong. I am super excited for Spider-Man 3. Um, the MCU Spider-Man 3. However, I'm just saying, after Spider-Man Far From Home, I'm a little burnt out. Because it just looks like they're doing the same thing. You know, with Homecoming, it works for Homecoming because Homecoming, they were trying to revitalize the Spider-Man franchise after the disaster that was The Amazing Spider-Man 2. But it seems like with um, Far From Home, they like completely just went full speed and just started bombarding it as like, oh, look, this is the fun, goofy Marvel movie. And I don't think that's the direction. Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse yeah, it has goofy moments, but it's so incredibly emotional and so incredibly deep and and heart and so and and completely full of heart. And Spider-Man Far From Home has none of that. Now, again, I love Spider-Man in other movies like I loved him in Infinity War. I loved him in Civil War. I loved him in Endgame. Hell, I even loved them in Homecoming. But what they did with Far From Home has really turned me off with the character. What they did with him in Far From Home really turned me off with the character. And I'm just sick of it. I'm Now, that might change once Spider-Man 3... Maybe Spider-Man 3 comes out and they completely do a different version of that. And maybe they go in a completely different direction as far as tone goes. But honestly, since it's the same writers who wrote Far From Home, I highly doubt it. <laughs> um, which just pisses me off so much. Um, but um, but yeah, anyway. I don't know how we got there from Miles Morales to Spider-Man 3. I don't know. <laughs> uh, next question. Uh, speaking of Spider-Verse, favorite song on the Spider-Verse soundtrack? That's a fun question. Um, I'm not scared of the dark. I'm not running, running, running. No, I'm not afraid of the dark. Um, uh, yeah, I love that. Uh, it's it's a song called "Scared of the Dark." Um, I'm gonna see if I can actually bring it up here because I I love that song and I want to see. Um. Uh, scared, oh, it's for some reason acting stupid, scared of the dark, okay, so this is the song, scared of the dark.
I, I love I love how Okay. Um but yeah, that's that's probably my favorite song on the set. I love Sunflower and I love um one of my actual other favorites is actually What's Up Danger. Um I have a slumber party with all my foes and I wear them like a bedroom. Um I love that song. That song's awesome. Um but yeah, Scared of the Dark is probably my favorite. Okay. Uh, do you think the multiverse will be a way they... Uh, wow, let me try this again. Do you think the multiverse will be the way they bring Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool into the MCU? That's a possibility. That's a possibility. I, it's a huge possible chance. Um... I think if they're going to bring Ryan Reynolds, I think Ryan Reynolds is just going to show up as Deadpool in the MCU. I I honestly will just I will not be shocked if at the end of one of the Marvel movies um is an end credit scene. Uh it shows the it shows backstage at a studio and Deadpool opens the his dressing room door, walks out with a robe and sits down on the chair and says you know you missed me. And then, boom, Deadpool will, will return. That would be the best. That would be one of the best post credit scenes of all time if they were to do that. They probably won't do that. But how cool would that be? <laughs> how awesome would that be? Um, anyway. Um, okay. What do you hope to see in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? What do I hope to see? Wow, that's such a good question. Um... I really hope we get to see Sam Raimi go for a little bit of a hardcore horror edge. I mean, I don't want to see them go full-fledged rated R horror, but I would like to see... I I said this months ago. I was listening to some of my older Zeke Zetzer shows, and when it came out that Sam Raimi was officially directing um, the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness movie... Um, I remember I said at the time, I want to see Evil Dead, but in the MCU. So that tone, that style that Sam Raimi had with Evil Dead, I want to see that in the MCU. Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, I want to see that tone in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hopefully, Marvel lets him go for it. I mean, he's obviously shooting right now in London. So hopefully Marvel's going to let him go for it and they're going to let him do what he wants um, because we all know what happened last time Sam Raimi tried to direct a comic book movie. They ended up canceling it. So, but yeah, that's I, if I had to pick anything, that's probably the one thing I hope we see is um, is just Sam Raimi going for those horror elements. Also... 
I'm very interested to see how exactly WandaVision is going to tie into all this. Really interested to see how that how that will tie into everything. All right. Um, so T'Challa will not be recast. Obviously, this was after the Disney's investors. So T'Challa will not be recast. Do you think it's a good decision or a bad decision? And how will they explain his absence? Okay, how will they explain? I'll 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 answer the how will they explain his absence. They're probably just gonna say T'Challa has passed on. I think that's what they're gonna do. Um, I think they're gonna say, you know, T'Challa lives on forever, but he has passed on, and we need a new king or 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 queen. Um, a lot of people have thrown out Shuri. Um, personally, in my opinion, I think. If you're going to bring in someone to take over the throne, I think um um I think Mbaku should take the throne of Wakanda because he was the last guy to challenge T'Challa for the throne. I mean other than Killmonger, um he was the last guy before Killmonger to challenge T'Challa for the throne and he has experience beating being a leader. Now, as far as Black Panther goes, I think they should just run out and get someone new to be the Black Panther. Um, honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Nakia, uh, played by Lupita Nyong'o. I wouldn't mind seeing her as a female Black Panther. I wouldn't mind seeing that. That would be that actually be pretty cool. Um, you know, we we've seen in Black Panther that she's able to fight. Um, or they might not do that. Maybe they'll get someone new. Maybe they'll get a new character to take over the mantle of Black Panther. Um, maybe I'll finally get my John David Washington casting. Um, whatever. It is what it is. But um, but do I think it's a good decision? I honestly think it's a bad decision not to recast. I think... The, th the reason why Black Panther was so beloved by so many people, it wasn't the Black Panther that made that movie special. It was T'Challa. The character of T'Challa is who a lot of people related to. And there's a lot of people who want to see that character come back. Now... Are they going to get what they want in having Chadwick Boseman come back? No. But that's why you find the right actor and you say, Okay, Chadwick, we love what you did here. I'm going to pick up this baton and I'm going to run and I'm going to carry it to the finish line for you. But they're not going to do that. Obviously, whatever Kevin Feige... Ha Kevin Feige obviously has a plan for it. So... Obviously, I I really do think Ryan Coogler, ever since Shadow Bozeman passed away, I think he was doing major rewrites. Because it was supposed to come out in May of 2022. And they pushed it back two months. So I really do think they... Um, in my opinion, I think they did some major rewrites. So um, we shall see what happens. Alright, thoughts on the rumors of Willem Dafoe and Thomas Hayden Church returning in Spider-Man 3? Uh, rumors. Rumors. I, I, I'm not going to believe it until it comes out officially from the studio. Or from 
a reputable a more reputable source just because of a site from some random boy in his parents' basement posted something about Willem Dafoe and Ch- Thomas Hayden Church returning in Spider Man Three. I don't. I'm not. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. So whatever. Um, do you think this Toby and Andrew crossover will be like Spider Verse or the Infinite Earths crossover on the CW? Oh God, I hope not. I hope it's not like the Infinite Earths crossover. That that thing sucked. <laughs> that Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover on the CW sucked. Um, what a massive letdown that was. Um, I am hoping it will be like the Spider Verse. I'm hoping it will be like Spider-Verse. Doesn't mean it's going to be like Spider-Verse, but I'm hoping it's more like Spider-Verse. Um, personally, I don't think Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are going to have huge, giant roles. I think they're going to show up probably in the third act. Probably Doctor Strange. You know, pro- Maybe Doc Ock and Electro are just too much for Tom Holland's Spider-Man to handle, and Doctor Strange opens up a portal... And and Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield just walk out of those portals and they start fighting off the a version of the Sinister Six. Maybe we'll get Sinister Six. Who knows? Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Are you excited for Secret to see Secret Invasion? Okay, look, I am interested in Secret Invasion, but I wish this was an Avenger. This was the plot for the next Avengers movie. I wish this was the plot for the next Avengers movie because I think this is a big enough storyline where you could make this your next Avengers movie. Because when you look at the sinister, not the sinister, the secret invasion storyline, it's a big arc of the Marvel comics. And you could spread that out over an entire phase of the MCU if you wanted to. But they're not going to do that. They're going to make it a TV show, which... Look, I have confidence in Kevin Feige that he'll make it good. Um, but if you're going to ask my opinion, uh, I don't... I <laughs> I honestly wish this was an Avengers movie. That's just my opinion. It's just my opinion. I know a lot of people are really excited for it. So we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. Um, okay, let's see here. Uh, could we potentially see a Young Avengers film with Ironheart, Cassie Lang, and Miss Marvel? That's a, that's a good possibility. It's a really good call. I'd be down for that. You know, you have like a you you have like a Young Avengers movie with those three as your lead, as your leads. That'd be pretty cool. I'd be okay with that. I mean, look, I have to wait and see how Miss Marvel and Ironheart turn out, and this new version of Cassie Lang that they've recasted. But a Young Avengers film with Ironheart. Um, Cassie Lang, who I think is going to don an, an Ant-Man outfit at some point. Um, and Miss Marvel. Oh, I, I will, I'd be, I'd be down for that. That sounds actually pretty interesting. That sounds pretty cool. Um, 
right. Should Latina Latina Wright be fired for her anti-vax tweets? No. Oh my gosh, people! She was giving a political opinion. She was just giving an opinion. Do you have to agree with that opinion? No. But that does not mean she should be fired just for having an opinion. So let's just stop with that bullcrap. Just stop. Yeah. Ugh. I'm just so tired of that. I'm tired of that way of thinking. Um. Anyway. Do you think John Watts is a perfect director for Fantastic Four? Um. He was not my first choice. I had two choices for Fantastic Four. One, I thought John Krasinski would have been a perfect choice to direct Fantastic Four. Or the other option would have been Peyton Reed, because Peyton Reed was connected to was supposed to direct the 2005 Fantastic Four movie. A lot of people don't know that. Peyton Reed was supposed to direct that 2005 Fantastic Four movie before um, Tim Story took it over. Um, So those were my two choices. John Watts, though, I will say is a very good choice. I think his tone for what he's done with the Spider-Man movies, I think fits well with Fantastic Four. Um, honestly, I feel like it fits better with Fantastic Four than it does with the Spider-Man movies, honestly. Um, but even though I thought he did a good job with Far- Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, not Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider-Man Homecoming, I thought he did a very good job with Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, so, yeah. Um, okay. Let's see here. Um, uh, wow, my nose is itchy. Uh, Okay. 2021 is going to be the year for Disney Plus MCU shows. Which one are you most looking forward to? Uh, WandaVision. I've been looking forward to WandaVision since the the first minute they announced that a TV show with Vision and Scarlet Witch was happening. Because I love the Scarlet Witch character. She is the only reason why I'm watching this show. I'm not really watching it for Vision. I just love the Scarlet Witch character. And I can't wait to see more of her. I have been wanting to see more of her. And I cannot wait to see her really take charge. And um, and I can't wait for the show. It's it's, it's going to premiere in, on January 15th. And I'm so excited for it. Um, by the way, I am going to do spoilers reviews on this show for WandaVision. So just... Be on the lookout for that. All right, which phase is your fa- Which MCU phase is your favorite? Phase one, two, or three? Um. Hmm. That's hard for me. Um. Probably phase one. Just because I just remember, I just have so many memories of the build up to the Avengers and being so excited with each movie that came out, building up to the Avengers, to that first Avengers movie, and then it all culminating with that first Avengers movie. 
even though, yes, some of the movies in Phase 1 are not good, <coughs> Iron Man 2, I still really love just the build-up. Just how much build-up they were doing from that first Iron Man movie all the way to that first Avengers movie. It's just, it was, it's insane. Um, okay, could we ever see Joss Whedon return to the MCU? I don't think we're going to see that happen. Right now, Joss Whedon got himself into a little bit of trouble. Um, it just came out recently that Warner Media did their investigation. And there's going to be some action taken against what happened on the set of Justice League. And Joss Whedon is part of those allegations. So he's got himself in a little bit of trouble. So I don't think Marvel's going to want to deal with that right now. Um, although I would like to see Joss Whedon come back to the MCU at some point. I don't think it's going to be anytime soon just because he got himself into a little bit of trouble. So, um, oh, wow. Why? Who is your favorite MCU director? Wow. That's tough. Uh... Mm. Probably James Gunn. I think James Gunn is the only director who has made two really great movies with Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. Um, I would have said John Watts if, again, I liked Spider-Man Far From Home, but I don't. So I'll say James Gunn. Alright, do you think Jordan Peele will ever direct an MCU movie? Personally, I'd like to see him direct Blade. He'd be a really good choice for Blade. Um, I don't think we're going to see him. I don't think we're going to see him. Um, I think he just wants to make his own stuff. Uh, he's been pretty vocal in the past how he just loves doing original movies. He doesn't like doing the whole genre stuff. And I think he wants to direct his own stuff. Um, but although I will say he would be a pretty good choice to direct a Blade movie. Uh, what director would you like to see make an MCU movie? I've said this a thousand times, but I'll say it again. I want to see Ryan Johnson direct a Marvel Cinematic Universe film. I don't know if he has any interest in doing it, but I would love to see it happen. Because I think his style, his tone, if you watch Knives Out, I think that tone fits perfectly with the MC with the MCU. I I really do think so. And I would like to see it happen. Will it happen? I don't think so. I don't know it will. I don't know if it will. Um, but never say never. Um, okay. Oh, and the final two questions. Uh, well, we got two more questions. Thoughts on the emo Peter dance in Spider-Man 3? I know you talked about it on Throwback Thursday, but I was wondering if you changed your thoughts. No, I still think it's incredibly stupid. I, I still think it's stupid. Um, um, I look. I get what Sam Raimi was trying to do. I mean, Sam Raimi first of all did not want Venom in Spider Man Three. He he did not want Venom in Spider Man Three, and he's been very vocal about that. 
But I think with um, I think with that emo Peter dance, I think he was trying to replicate the the raindrops keep falling on my head sequence from um, from Spider Man Two. Um, and I just think it was it did not work at all. But um. But I am going to bring something up here. Everybody. This is so goofy. This whole freaking thing is goofy. Honestly, I am not going to lie. I have had so many thoughts. I think that's going to be a... I think I'm going to do that as a skit. I would love... Because I did a dance for a skit previously. I'll have to re-upload it. But I... Two years... Well, three years ago now. Three years ago, I did a video where I did a parody of the Baby Groot dance from uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And you know what? I had so much fun doing that. I think I might do it again. I think I might do my parody of the Spider-Man, of the emo Peter, of the Spider-Man 3 stuff. <laughs> um, I don't know. Would you guys like to see that? I don't know. I, I think it would be fun to do. Um, okay. Do you think... Oh, wow. Oh, no. Okay. Um, do you think we will see any new villains... In, the, this is the final question, guys. Do you think we'll see any new villains in Spider-Man 3? It seems like they're just going for something that worked to me. Um. Well, yeah, they're going... They are bringing back Jamie Foxx's Electro, which a lot of people didn't like that. And... They're bringing back... Doc Ock, which to some people they, you know, especially for me, I think he's the best Spider-Man movie villain. I think we're going to get new villains. I think we're going to get Kraven the Hunter. And I also think we're going to see Scorpion. Because they teased him at the end of Homecoming. Actually, you know what? They might actually bring back Vulture and bring Scorpion in. Because Scorpion was in Homecoming, and he was at the he was in the end of home he was in the end credit scene of Homecoming, and he has a grudge against Spider Man. I wouldn't mind seeing him, you know, become that character. I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, but yeah, they're, they're you know they're bringing back villains we've seen before because you know they just they think they on it. it Look, it really depends on how they tell the story, okay? It really depends on how they're going to tell the story. The story might serve them having to bring back those villains. Or it might feel like cheap fan service. We won't know until we actually see the movie. You know, so we'll just we'll just have to wait and see for that. All right, guys, that will do it for this week's episode of the Web Stringers Podcast. Thank you guys so much for 
listening to this week's episode, and this is the final episode of the uh, wow, why well, uh, the Web Swingers podcast? I almost said the Zeke Setzer show. Um, this is the final episode of the Web Swingers podcast. Thank you so much for enjoying this new show that we started this year. Um, we've had a very successful first season of the Web Swingers podcast. You guys really seem to be enjoying it. And um, look forward. Uh, I am going to announce a new schedule for the, the Zeke Said So uh, content. Uh, I'm going to kind of shift some shows around and uh, I'll release that. Um, I'll release you know, the, the official, uh, schedule on what shows will come out on which day. All I know is that the Web Swingers podcast will not, will no longer premiere on Mondays, but I won't tell you which day yet. I'll, I'll share that on my Instagram and then I'll tell you guys like on the Zeke Sedzo show. But, um, but yeah, um, really, uh, thank you guys so much for listening guys. And thank you to all of you who sent in, uh, the Q&A questions. You gave us really fun, interesting topics to talk about. And, um, yeah, I I enjoyed doing this show, guys. You know, I love Spider-Man, and I've been wanting to do a Spider-Man-themed show ever since I started a YouTube channel. Um, in fact, honestly, at one point, I thought, I thought about doing my YouTube channel all about Spider-Man. Um, and, you know, I love Spider-Man, I, and I... Wanted to do a, an entire show where I talked all things Spider-Man and the Marvel Universe. And the podcast, I felt like, was a perfect place to do it. And um, it seems to have worked. Seems to have worked. So, um, again, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, this has been a really fun show. Uh, and uh, we got to rank the MCU films. And we got to talk about some really cool stuff. So, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, again, don't forget the End of the Line premieres on on the Zeke Sitzel YouTube channel on December 25th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys later. Peace out.